Good morning. Welcome to 1C. Welcome to a place that we can come 
whether here in person or live on, on our live streaming, and we get to hear the message of God's love for people like you and me. And as that video talks about, you know, as Christmas Eve comes upon us, as we have a time to celebrate the birth of Christ, I uh, want to make sure you come and hear the story, but also start thinking about friends and family and co-workers and neighbors and, and people that, uh, that would be blessed if they came and got to hear the message too. So be thinking about that. In fact, we have a little insert that maybe you could pick up on the way out, pick up a couple of them, hand them to peop people and invite them, maybe even bring people with you. Sometimes I, I think it's a little different to say, hey, I hope you come versus, hey, can I, um, can I meet you at the door or can I you know, pick you up on the way? Our service times for this week for Christmas Eve will be Wednesday at 6.30. And one of the reasons we did that is there are people that may travel. And so we thought, let's have something on Wednesday night before maybe things get really busy. Um, and then also on Thursday, the uh, Christmas Eve, service times are at 3, 5, and 7. So, uh, you know, get the word out if you would. A couple quick announcements. Uh, this is another insert that's by the door. And you'll see that there is a QR code. So you can take your camera, take a picture of it, and it'll lead you to more information about these and other things. Example, uh, the Bible reading group for 2021. Uh, you can join in on this and read the scriptures and kind of walk together with other people uh, that are doing this at the same time. So if you go to our planning center, uh, probably even our website, or just give us a call or stop at Next Steps, we'll help explain the whole process for you if you, if you would like more information. Um, also, uh, the Giving Garland, don't forget to bring back the gifts. Uh, is that you, Chad, right there? Um, today? Yeah, tomorrow's last day. Today would be preferable, uh, but tomorrow as well. Then we can get them to the schools and to the kids. All right, a couple things. Guests, welcome. Glad you're with us in worship. What a joy to have you here. And we'd like to know that you're here by having you text 1C guest to 94,000, and that starts the communication process. Also, a little later, we're going to have prayer time, and if you have prayers that are on your mind and heart that you would like included in the service, you know, feel free to text uh, to 402-242-5051, and we will include those prayers in our time together as well. And then also, a little later, we're going to be having communion. Hopefully, you receive the elements uh, for communion, and if you didn't, you can make your way over to the family gathering area by the kitchen, and we will have these available for you. And here at 1C, we believe that this is bread and wine or juice and also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It is a beautiful gift given to people like you and me. So if that's what you believe, we encourage you, we invite you um, to come and celebrate with us. And I'm trying to think if, if there's anything else. I think that's it. So we're ready to worship, so please stand and join with us in singing. The 
shepherds came to see the baby stood by his mother's side. Here lay the Savior inside a manger. Oh, what a glorious night. Oh, what a glorious night. I hear the angels
this child that you delivered was so Good morning, boys and girls. I have this glass jar and I want to fill it with some rocks. So let's see if I can fill it up. Got a few rocks here. There's one. There's another one. And one more. There. I think that's pretty full. It's all the way up to the top. I don't think I can get any more big rocks in there. Looks pretty full. But wait a minute, I have some more rocks, some pebbles. Let's see if I can get some pebbles in there. There we go. Now that's pretty full, isn't it, boys and girls? I don't think I can get any more rocks in there. Wait a minute. I have some sand too. I think we might be able to get some sand in here. There we go. Wow, there's a lot of sand sitting in this jar, isn't there?
There we go. Now the jar is full. You know what, boys and girls? This is a lot like our life. If we put the big stuff in our life first and make room for it, big stuff like our relationships, time with God, time with our family and friends, time with other people, the big things in life, they fit. And then you know what? There's still room for other stuff in life that's important, but not quite as important. Things like sports, birthday parties, nice clothes. That's good, all good stuff, but not as important as, the, as those important relationships in our life. And then the, the sand, that's kind of like all the other stuff. It just kind of filters in and fills in this, the space and time of our life. Things like playing games, toys, screen time, video games, things that just fill in the rest of the time in our life. If we get things backwards and upside down, and if we try to fill our lives with the sand, the smallest stuff, like playing video games and toys, clothes, possessions, things like that, we focus on that first. And then the, the smaller rocks or the pebbles, things like hobbies, sports, birthday parties, stuff like that, that's, that's good stuff, but maybe not the most important stuff. focus on the, all of those things first, the jar gets filled up and there's not enough room for the big things, the most important things in life. And you know what? This really applies to Christmas season too. We don't want to get so distracted and, and focused on the small, most important things like what presents are we going to get? What toys will we have? What, what Christmas parties do we have? Maybe even Christmas cookies. These are all good things. If we focus on the smaller things, we can forget about the main and true meaning of Christmas, and that is Jesus and his love for you, your family, and this world. So let's focus on Jesus and remember him as the true meaning of Christmas. Will you pray with me? Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help us to focus on you and the big things in life. So the small stuff doesn't take your place. Amen.
couple came to Bethlehem, expecting child, they searched the air to find a place for you were coming soon. There was no room for them to stay, so in a manger filled with hay, God's only son was born, oh, hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the word Alleluia means praise the Lord. And it was something that they would exclaim after God had done something good for them, a blessing they received. So I think it's appropriate for us, for you and for me, to, to say Alleluia, to sing Alleluia, 
Because God has done marvelous things in your life and my life. And the greatest marvelous thing is he took your sin and my sin upon himself. And he suffered and died and rose again. And he took care of all of that so we can have forgiveness and life and joy and peace with God and with each other. So let's go to him in prayer and thank him for all that he's done and he continues to do. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for the way in which you have worked in our life. From coming to this earth in Bethlehem to living that perfect life to going into Jerusalem and that journey of betrayal, arrest, uh, being beaten and placed on a, on a cross. And all along, we, we, we thank you that you had us on your mind. You had um, us and that sin that was separating us. And we thank you that as you were placed into that tomb and on that third day, you rose again from the dead. And because of all of that, we have forgiveness. And because of all of that, we have peace. And so, Lord, we pray that we would shout out that hallelujah and we would rejoice in all that you've done for us uh, today and tomorrow and for eternity. And we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I would like for you, in light of the fact that you have been forgiven because of Jesus, when, when I prompt you, would you say hallelujah like you really mean it? So on a count of three, one, two, three, hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord for his goodness and grace for you and for me. Amen.
king might come but up till now there hasn't been one there's a new kid in town and he's lying in a manger down the road there's a new kid in town but he's just another baby i suppose heaven Heaven knows there's a new kid in town here in Bethlehem. Thank you, Aiden. If you would, please take the elements up for communion, and I'm going to share with you first uh, what's known as the words of institution. It's where Jesus was in that upper room, and they were celebrating the Passover meal, the meal that they were told to celebrate when God protected his people and brought them out of Egypt. But he gave it a whole new meaning and significance and um, blessing. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread. Take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would, take the wine or the juice. Take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are bringing to you this morning the prayers of our one seat community and praying for those people who are in our community that are known by some of us here. Every prayer that is spoken and unspoken, we have your ear, you hear us, and we thank you for that. Prayers for a wife having surgery, and prayers for peace on earth. A prayer for Rick, as he has a broken pelvis, he's in a lot of pain, 
and he's in the hospital awaiting results. A prayer for Tony's family, and he's recently passed away. And a pray for a kidney for Alan to get one soon. A prayer to ask for help for Barb Bedell's son to get better. He's struggling with COVID. Lord, hear a prayer to bless a daughter-in-law who is an addict and she's waiting to get into a long-term care facility. Prayers for my daughter as she is feeling overwhelmed with her life right now. To simply know that we love her and are very proud of her. Please, Lord, just give her strength and wisdom to see everything through your eyes just for a little while and bring her peace. Prayer of thanks to you who are mighty. You are keeping me healthy and safe while I work with many who are sick at the hospital. A prayer for a strong walk with Jesus. A prayer for financial stability and defense against the enemy who would come against us. Thank you, Jesus, for a safe and healthy delivery of our newest grandson, Malcolm Douglas Noonan. May he grow up to always serve and worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord, this prayer for a husband who's going in tomorrow for a second dental surgery consultation. The prayer is for a dentist that will do the surgery and ease the pain. Lord, prayers for protection and strength and encouragement to all of the medical personnel caring for COVID patients. A prayer for guidance for the president-elect as we begin our transition as a nation, that you would calm our nation, that you would bring us together. Lord, a prayer for Pastor Jim and his family, for a grandmother who's coughing and a friend who is an army firefighter, and prayers for all the law enforcement people who are out there on the front lines. A prayer for my doctor appointment to go well on Wednesday. And in all of these things, Jesus, we know that your heart has gathered up all these prayers and you have a way to deliver the answers into our lives. And so we say thank you as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Santa, Inga. You need to report to the loading docks immediately. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. I wonder how long it's going to take her to get to the loading docks. Find out she's not really needed there. Okay. Well, if you look here, this is December, 24 days to Christmas, right? Nope. This is Inga's calendar for today. Look at all the things she thinks she's got to do. 
I think she's just overwhelming herself. Oh, my gosh. Huh. Oh, there's some open areas here. Look at here, peppernut. I think she needs to make another batch of peppernuts. Yes, more peppernuts. Oh, we've got lefsa here. If you've got lefsa, you need to have lutefisk. Oh, yeah, you've got to have lutefisk. In fact, let's do lutefisk over here, too, right before morning. So the whole house feels like it. I don't know why she thinks she's got to have so much to do, but if you guys got any more ideas, text them to me, and I'll try to get them on her calendar because I think she needs to just pull her hair out right before Christmas. Oh, I think she's coming. Don't tell her I was here. Elmer, Elmer, Elmer doesn't quite get it. Well, if you look at that schedule, kind of crazy, um, but isn't this the time of year when it can get crazy? It, it brings me back in time um, to the month of December as a pastor several years ago. I was at a really big church with a really big school, and <clears throat> the expectations and all the things that were going on were pretty intense. Um, normally, there were six services a week. Saturday, three Sunday morning, one Sunday night, one Wednesday night. I mean, it was just a lot. But then when December came around, we had all those extra services and extra programs. And when my kids were little and growing up, and I was at that church, the senior pastor at the time had a brilliant idea. He said, he came up to me and said, Jim, ever since a lot of your kids are going to be in these programs and services, why don't you lead all those services? So not only was I doing the, the six regular services, but then I was starting to do all the other services. And as I mentioned, it was a big church, big school. So there was a separate preschool program, maybe even two of them, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. So you're getting the point, right? And I have to admit something that as a pastor is not easy to admit. After my, we'll just say, 10th Christmas program, I was getting tired of the Christmas story. It was like, oh, oh my goodness. Now, I wish I could tell you that that craziness, that schedule issue, was just the month of December. It wasn't. In fact, it, it just kind of went from month to month to month, year to year, year to year. And, um, you know, to this day, I think it was crazy. It was nuts. And I wrote down a list of things that I wish. Maybe you've done this in your life when you look back on life. Um, but here's some of them. I wish I would have taken more time with my wife. I wish that I would have taken more time to listen to my children, to spend time with them, and not working or wor thinking about work in my mind, if you know that. Um, another one. I wish I would have taken more time to sit with my aging parents. I wish I would have taken more time to be interrupted and be glad about it rather than resent it. I wish I would have taken more time to have time to rest, to relax, and reflect. 
I wish I would have taken more time to have a greater amount of time with people that I love. And then the last one, I wish I would have taken more quality time with my creator and sustainer of the universe, time with God. So, so this is just a, a list uh, for me. And I'll just tell you that I think that the enemy, what he wants to do is kind of throw it in my face and let me live in guilt. But I'm going to tell you this. I am a forgiven child of God. That's been taken care of because of Jesus. Those moments. But what I do now is really important. In fact, that's why we've been taking this journey, looking at this theme. What is it that steals Christmas? And we know that, you know, this story is kind of the, how the Grinch stole Christmas, right? But think about some of the things that we've covered. We, we've covered materialism or conflict or grief. And today we're going to take a look at how my schedule or your schedule can steal Christmas. And as I was looking at that theme, I was also realizing it's not really about a schedule. But it's about what we do with the schedule. And I thought of another word maybe to insert is this whole idea of margin in life. I do believe that the reason that our schedules are so crazy is because we allow our margins in life to be bombarded, lack of a better term. So I want to give you an illustration of margins, an unhealthy margin and a healthy margin. And it, it comes with the story by Dr. Seuss. So if you look up at the screen, and if I told you, I want you to sit down and read that, and it has no margins on the left or to the right or up or the down. All the words are together. The fonts are really small, which, again, is characteristic of how we often live life. We try to jam everything in. We would have a difficult time reading this. It would be uncomfortable. In fact, there, there have been studies done and research done about the setup of books. So that when you look at a book, what is appealing to the eye? What is healthy for the eye? And it wouldn't be this. Rather, it would be something like this. Again, the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. But there's, there's margins. On the left and the right, and the up and the down and between. And it's, there's a rhythm to it that, that I think is much better than the previous one. So let me give you a couple working definitions of margin. The first one is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Think of that in, in, in a page of a book. Right? You can jam all these things in there. You've got to know what would be good to be on a page and in our 24-7. The other margin is space between our current performance and our limits. Think about that. 24-7, 365. We can jam in lots of stuff. But is that healthy? Does that really honor God and glorify God? I'm going to take you on a journey of three stories. And each of these are going to talk about a different aspect or uh, dynamic of margin. The very first one is Moses and Jethro, and before your mind goes to the Beverly Hills, it's not that Jethro. 
Jethro is the father-in-law to Moses. So a little context here. He, had, he has vested interest, his daughter. And so here's what's going on. Moses was called by God to be the deliverer of the children of Israel from Egypt and then to bring them in this journey to the land of um, promise, the land, Canaan, uh, land flowing with milk and honey. So through the ten plagues, finally Pharaoh said, get out of here, you go. And then they're starting this process, and they're making their way through the journey, and it's going to be a 40-year journey. And so Moses, he was a deliverer, but he also was given the responsibility to be a judge. He was going to oversee the people. The only problem with this is we don't know the exact number, but just picture a million, million people. He is going to be the sole judge, and he is going to watch and listen to everybody's story. And just think about it. They're human beings and we're human beings. Is there conflict in the world today? Yeah. Are there court cases today? Yes, a lot of them. So just picture Moses sitting there and having to listen to story after story after story. It would start in the morning and it will go to late at night. I mean, it was just pressing in on him. So Jethro comes and we find it in Exodus 18. The father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And so Jethro suggests another system of, of judging and overseeing the people. And it ended up being a good thing. Story number one. Story number two is David. Now, I think of several stories when it comes to David. You know, example, there's the one when he's a little kid, right? The runt of the family. And he becomes aware that the Philistine army is making fun of the Israeli army. But more than that, the Philistine army is making fun of their God. So David is all stirred up about this. He, he can't stand it. So... The armor doesn't fit, and he grabs a couple stones and some kind of slingshot. He goes and, and topples the giant. Good story. The not-so-good story is the other one that he's known for. And if you recall, picture David on a rooftop. And over here on another rooftop is Bathsheba. And here's where margin can get you in trouble, or lack of margin, right? So he looks and he sees Bathsheba. If he had margin in life, in other words, a godly margin that would have him do the right thing, he would turn away and go, no, 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 no. That would not please God. But that's not what he did. Instead, he kept looking. Then he sends a servant and has her come over, and, and then... The rest is history. We find out that, yes, Bathsheba even gets pregnant. Yes, he sends Bathsheba's husband to the front line of a battle, knowing what's going to happen. He's going to die. So when margins aren't good, lots of bad things can happen. The third story, oh, I'm sorry. Now, 
let's, let's go to Psalm 23. A lot of theologians believe that Psalm 23, David is reflecting on his life. And just picture these words in light of him thinking of what he did regarding Bathsheba and thinking about sending Uriah to the front line and the fact that his son died as a consequence to his bad margin. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He understood the darkness and depravity of life when sin wrecks your margin. And so he's feeling that. Now the third story, Jesus, Mary, and Martha. Last week we got together and we talked about how grief can steal Christmas. And remember, Lazarus was ill, so Mary and Martha sent a note to Jesus. Jesus d decides to kind of wait. And remember what he said? What he's going to do is give God the ultimate glory. And so he waited. Well, there's a story that preceded this. And we find it actually in the book of Luke. And we have Jesus going to a dinner party of Mary and Martha. And he comes there and Martha is, she's running around the house. She's getting dinner ready, making sure all the preparations are done. She's doing all the things that are necessary for this really, really nice dinner with Jesus. Mary wasn't doing that. In fact, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, breaking custom, crossing lines. Because as a woman, a woman shouldn't be with a man that's not related to her. And then to top that all off, you know, we, we have Martha. And she comes up to Jesus, and again, you could picture with her hand on her hip, and going, Jesus, my sister Mary, she's not doing the right things. And then I like the, the version or the translation that I have here. He says to her, with a couple more words in this, Mary is doing the one thing needful. In other words, she's doing the right thing. Being at my feet, listening to my teaching. That was a big pill to swallow because Martha was hoping she could appeal to, to Jesus to get a little bit of help with her, her sister. The one thing needful. Margin. Well, Paul leans in on this, and in Ephesians chapter 5, he is talking to the church at Ephesus, two, well, 2,000 years ago, but also to the church right here at 1C and wherever you're listening to online. Paul has some words about how we live our life. So we looked at, well, you know, the story of Jethro and Moses, and we looked at David, we looked at Mary and Martha. What about us? Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I, two really important things here. I don't know if it jumped off the page for you, but Paul says the days are evil. And if you don't believe that, I'm not, I mean, I need to talk to you. Because if you turn on the TV or you just look around long enough, you're going to see how evil it is. And I'll just call them landmines. They're all just kind of all over the place. 
And the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh wants to step on them and blow up. Or maybe another way I'll say it in light of our theme, what the devil, the world, and even our sinful flesh wants to do is to have bad margins and let it affect our schedule so that what we're doing is not good or not the Lord's will. So he says, Paul, live wise lives. Now, how do we get to know what is a wise life? Because left on our own or by ourselves, we are clueless people. We're like Moses taking on the world. We're like David making improper and poor decisions morally. And we're like Martha, just out of whack. Psalm 23 gives us a little bit of a hint. The first three verses, yes, David understood, you know, that the valley of the shadow of death is a horrible thing. But look at how he starts it. And so for David, how he was a wise leader, because he was a wise leader, he was a great king. I mean, he did a lot of really good things. And the reason is, is he understood who the shepherd is. He understood what the shepherd can do for your life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I'll just make it a little bit contemporary to what I'm preaching on. He gives us healthy margins and better schedules. That's the kind of shepherd that we have. But here's the question. How does God navigate what he wants and his will with our will? Because remember, we have this thing called free will. We can make bad decisions. We have that choice. I see God stepping into those moments when we make a bad choice and he wants to teach us something good. Three years ago, I had double pneumonia and I honestly, if you've ever had it, you, you know what I'm gonna, what I mean by what I say. I really felt like I was dying. And I wasn't. But it just knocked me off my feet. And here's what God did. Is he took that moment and he wanted to teach me a couple things. He didn't create the double pneumonia. I uh, just want you to know that. It's not like he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to give Jim double pneumonia. No, rather, I got to the place of double pneumonia because of my decisions, my unwise decisions, and it happened. Well, God says, I'm going to use that. I want to teach him that I can restore his soul. I'm going to use this to refresh him. And for those couple weeks, that's what God was doing. Important time. So I'm a really fast learner. And ever since then, I've made really good, wise decisions with my time. You think so? No. So, when I get this COVID thing, I'm knocked off my feet, having to learn one more time, margin, schedule, priorities. 
things that are needful versus things that aren't needful. And that's the kind of shepherd we all have, who is just wanting to teach us and to grow us to be the kind of sheep that he wants us to be. That's how faithful he is. Again, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's just how he works. How, does, how do we get connected to this shepherd? Remember, we have this free will, so we can kind of go our own way, do our own thing. Well, in Matthew, Jesus talks about how this happens. And I really believe that what God wants is for people like you and me to have an intimate relationship with the shepherd. To be like this. To be connected with him. In Matthew 6, Jesus says it this way. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So it begins, right, with God loving us, making himself known and available, but it begins to be personal when we, that's me, that's you, intentionally seek him where he is found. And then as a result of that, all these things will be given to you. Now, what's all these things? I think it's the message of Christmas. Remember what the angel said? Remember what this promise was all about? Peace on earth. Peace for you and goodwill toward men. I think it's just... That's part of it. I think it's so much more than that. But it's this well-being, this sense between us and God and us and others. A sense of balance and rhythm and margin. Another verse, a couple chapters later in verse, uh, chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think every time, every time I, I'm, I'm feeling this frenzy, I'm feeling this wanting to be in control and all this stuff, it's because I'm not resting in him. I make life more about me than I make it about him. And I think really the story of what Jesus says is come to me, hey, I'm available, I'm ready, I'm ready to be your shepherd, I'm ready to care for you, I'm ready to make sure that you have all that you need so that you can live in peace and with peace now and for eternity. It's, it's just this gift. And again, intimacy. There's a, a, um, a book I'm, I'm going through because I'm part of a men's group on a Thursday morning. So if any of you would like to, men, be a part of that. We also have one on Thursday night if you don't like early morning. Uh, but we're looking at this, uh, this book called Ordering Your Private World. And I want to say 28 years ago, I looked at this book. I read this book. But I didn't learn from it. And one of the biggest things about this is, is taking time and resting in Jesus. And not get caught up in the frenzy of this world. And I'm trying to relearn this. Let's go through the Old Testament. One last passage for us. 
This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance, now you know what that is, right? It's not just being sorry for your sin, but it's doing the 180. If you're going this way and you have bad margins and your schedule is out of control, repentance means you stop in your track and say, Lord, have mercy, forgive me, and help me. And you turn a 180 and you walk away with, from what you were doing. So in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then just throwing in here, but you would have none of it. That applies to you and me. My old Adam doesn't want that. But this is what God offers. This is what the shepherd offers. So my prayer for you and for me is God would get our attention that we would be listening intently to him, that there's this very close, intimate relationship. We hear the voice of our shepherd. We hear it and follow it to the day we die. And then we're going to have rest. We're going to have strength. Now, we're going to do what we've been doing now for a couple weeks. Remember the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to make a bold profession of what we believe regarding God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we say these words, just like the word hallelujah, let's say it like we mean it. Just hang on those words, hold those what I call biblical truths, and let's boldly declare what we believe. So let's stand and share this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I share with you now the blessing that comes from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Oh.
Sunday, everybody, go in peace and serve the Lord. He has come for.